freaking out. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Okay, we got one, two, three. Who's There we go. There we are. All right. Good. Okay. So can everybody hear me okay? Yep. I can hear you. Can we not hear Corey in the next room? Hopefully. It's, if it's there, it's, uh, it's, it's dull. <laughs> okay. I mean, she's coming through a closed door, but it's pretty loud in here. So I figured I would ask. No, okay. I, I can hear a noise in someone's background. I don't know if that's you or not, but it's not, you can't make it what she's saying. So it's not, it shouldn't be too distracting. Cool. Okay. Uh, welcome to the B Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. For the first time in the fairly short history of this podcast, we have all four of our court members on the same show. So I'm going to go down the list. I'm joined by Justin Ayotte. Hey. Josh Krugner. You. And Brent Perry. How's it going, eh? All right. So we wanted to try something new with tonight's show. Um, I assume that once, you know, regular theatrical releases are once again a thing, we might do reviews like this more often. Uh, But given that there really aren't any right now, unless you live in certain cities, um, we're going to try movie review format with... uh, I would think you could probably call this one a cult classic, if anything. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, a, a mainstream cult classic, probably. But um, So we are attempting a review of uh, 1999's Galaxy Quest. Yep. I think I got the year right. I should have looked it up beforehand. Uh, you did get the <laughs> yeah. year right. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Um Okay, I'm going to, if you guys want to, the first thing I think we should ask is, like, what, I mean, I remember seeing this in theaters. Uh, I'm probably the oldest one in the room. Um, So what were your first impressions of the film, I guess, when you saw it? Uh, So I'll go first, I guess. Um, I actually saw this one with Lance, which was kind of funny because Lance was never the biggest Tim Allen fan. And he's definitely never the biggest Star Trek fan. My mom was the Trekkie. And, um, you know, we had watched uh, a lot of Next Gen as it aired. So I guess, you know, 91, 92, 93. Um, we saw the trailer. He thought it looked cool. And uh, off we went to the movies. I didn't really get a lot of it then. Um I have seen it since, but then I watched it again for this, and especially after having gone through the original series again and Next Gen, uh, you know, a, a lot more jumped out at me that I'm, I'm sure we'll get to. But um, the initial theater experience, it was fun. Um, you know, I, I didn't think it was going to become like this cult classic. Um, it kind of surprised me later on when I heard that it had. And, uh, you know, that's something we could talk about as well. But, yeah, it, it was fun. It was uh, that and I think Mystery Men were both 99. And they were both these uh, really weird, risky properties that turned into these cult classics. Mystery yeah, Men's great. Maybe we should do that someday. Sure. I think that just goes to show you should never underestimate the selling power of the nerd sphere. Yeah. Uh, for me, the first time I saw it would have been when it first came out on home release. 
and I rented it and I remember watching it and thinking like this is exactly like the backstage like personas of the original Star Trek crew like it was a great parody because like you could see what they were going for and like you could almost put the original series cast in those places like and it would have been just as good like I don't know I I thought it was a fun parody and it was like a well done one because it didn't just parody the show it parodied like the actual like behind the scenes bullshit from the cast right yeah yep Oh, uh, yeah, so I uh, I believe I saw, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe I saw it in theaters, um, and I was the youngest of the group here. Uh, I was nine <laughs> when that came out, uh, and um, yeah, I was, you know, already at the time, I was into Star Trek. I was watching The Next Generation. Uh, I've told you guys before that uh not the podcast people but in our chats and stuff that uh generations star trek generations was the first the- uh movie i saw in theaters or at least the one i remember seeing in theaters so i've uh you know wanted to go see this i was a toy story fan i liked home improvement i liked uh, tim allen you know it was right up my alley and uh i really enjoyed it well at least i remember enjoying it that's why i ended up getting it on tape but uh yeah, so uh, that's that would be my introduction to this movie. Excellent. And for me, uh, this was I'm going to throw out some uh, some information about the movie that we should probably get out just in general as I'm doing this. Uh, this movie was released on Christmas Day, 1999, um, with a PG rating. Although I don't know how, and we'll get into that too. Um, <laughs> $45 million budget and had a worldwide gross of $90.6 million, so it barely broke even by those metrics, I guess. Um, directed by Dean Pariseau, who most recently did uh, Bill and Ted Face Music. Um, and I remember going to this, if not on Christmas Day, within a couple days of that, um, and it to date myself, as Justin just dated himself, I was 22 years old at the time. Uh, deep into, you know, I I'd picked up Star Trek in like 1988. Um, so by then I was, you know, I'd watched everything. And Deep Space Nine and Voyager were in the middle of their runs at that point. And uh, my father and I went to see it on, either, like I said, either Christmas Day or like the day after. Um and I liked it at the time. I think my appreciation for it has grown over the years. Um, we can get into, in some ways, how I think it was mismarketed. Yes. It was, <laughs> it was kind of sold as like a generic kids movie. And it's really not that. Like, it's a surprisingly dark movie for PG. Like, it amazes me that it got a PG rating. Like, there's, there's, torture in it there's death i mean there's that scene with the thermians where they're all in that room and the air's running out it, i mean there's just stuff in it that i'm surprised it wouldn't get a pg now oh it definitely wouldn't uh, now but kids in the 90s weren't pussies so yeah they're also and i think we've talked about this before but there also was within the last few years they had based on sort of the the general popularity of this film in the last few years there was in place an Amazon Prime series that was going to happen. They had all agreed to come back for it. And then 
Alan Rickman died and they scrapped it. Yep, yeah. But well, between Alan Rickman dying and Tim Allen having right wing talking points. <laughs> yeah, I think that was before all that even. They were it was still the the main reason they gave was Rickman dying. I know. Uh, I'm just being a shithead. <laughs> oh. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we encouraged that on here. I uh I did I did uh see on Facebook though the other day, which was kind of odd because it was right after you had mentioned about doing this pod. Um Tim Allen mentioned somewhere um that he actually was reading a Galaxy Quest 2 script from somebody. So I don't know if they're still developing uh, a sequel of some sort without Rickman or what they're going to do, but um, I don't know if that's like something they're still, uh, you know, looking into. But uh, I just figured I'd throw that out there because I actually saw it. I think it was like a day or two after you suggested this pod. I would love that. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I'd be all in for it. It's, it's just anything that doesn't have Alan Rickman anymore just makes me sad. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I got sad a couple times even watching. I watched it with Corey this past weekend, and there were a couple of moments where he did stuff, and I was like, eh, eh. I just, um, I miss that guy. He was just a great fucking actor. Like, it didn't matter if he was in something stupid yeah. as shit like Dogma or something like fucking Die Hard that was pretty serious. Like, he always gave 110%. He was always entertaining as shit to watch on screen. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, one little random trivia point that I noticed this time around, and I'm sure we'll we'll go through a bunch of these little things. Uh, if you look at Rickman, right, at no point in that movie does he not have the headpiece on. Right. There's it even, starts to come off a little bit, but yeah. yeah. There's even a scene where, and I only know, I've seen it probably 30 or 40 times over the years, and this is the first time I noticed it. There's even a scene where he's like standing in his living room talking on the phone to Sigourney Weaver. And he still got the head thing on, and I was dying laughing. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just little things like that are all over this movie. Um, I guess the next question I wanted to go to, um, I only have like three or four. If there's other things we want to hit, obviously, but what is your uh, favorite performance and any particular moments in the film that stick out to you? So uh, it was one that we were talking about earlier. Um, I'm not going to steal it. I just think that a bunch of us probably have the same one. Uh, so I'll, I'll put a button in that for now. We can go around the horn. Okay, Brent? Uh, mine is just watching Alan Rickman, and they keep wanting him to say the stupid fucking cheesy line, and he won't say it, and he won't say it, and he won't say it. And then at the end, he fucking rips it out, and it's just like, yeah, there it is. Now, did Nimoy have that much of a boner against saying live long and prosper? Is that where they got that from? Or was it just like he was it, such a serious actor he hated the line? They kind of spoofed it a little. He used to hate just the line got irritating to him. Everybody came up to him doing the Vulcan fucking V, right? Right. And, and just the little cheesy things like that. They just worked that into the story <laughs> with that moment for Rickman. And I fucking loved it because I could actually see Nimoy just fucking spazzing out and doing something similar. Like, <laughs> Would it amaze you to know that Given that I'm probably the biggest Trek fan, you know, I can't do the V. Really? Really? Yeah. Wow. I can't. I've tried for years. I can't do it. Yeah, it's not surprising. I uh, I have a couple of family members who can't do it either. Mm. Uh, Justin, what would yours be? 
well, in terms of performance, uh, actually this time around, and I think uh, we mentioned it, me, John, when we were talking about the movie, uh, but um, it was uh, uh, oh, great, why, uh, Rockwell, uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, him, him, and like how funny he was in this movie, I totally forgot, and uh, you know all the jokes he made everything landed like it was just like hilarious and like the fact that he's like a glorified red shirt in this yep. movie and uh you know then at the you know well i, I don't want to spoil it because we'll probably get to the end or whatever um but then uh Dude, it's a 20 year old uh, movie spoil all you want <laughs> all right, all right. Well, well at the end at the end uh like your uh chat name says in here um you know he ends up being like a like a guy on the show and he gets a last name and, and all that kind of stuff. So it actually has a pretty a well-rounded arc for somebody who was kind of like a background guy, even in this movie, you know, being like one of the least known. Well, I don't know if he was one of the least known people at, at the, the time, time but um, yeah. And then, um, but I would say the, uh, the, the one scene that really sticks, the one scene that really stuck out to me was, uh, uh, when Rickman is uh, with, um, uh, I don't know, one of the alien guy that considered him a father or whatever because they were watching the historical documents. And, um, and you know, he gets shot by one of the bad guys and, you know, it's kind of like a death scene or whatever. And he finally, you know, like Brent said, you know, throughout the whole movie, he wouldn't say the, by Graptaz hammer line or whatever. And then mm-hmm. finally he like, he finally takes the role and he's like, you know, it means something to him. So, I mean, that, that scene was a little touching. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, that's what I got. My, my, for me, oh, oh, go, Josh. Uh, that, that was me, actually. That's My favorite part with Rockwell in the movie is when they're going down the hallway to get into the fucking bridge or whatever it is. And he's just whipping the gun around like he's super action hero. And he's, like, <laughs> so fucking hammy about it. I'm like, yeah, that is perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you want... Who wants to go? I'll go. If Josh, you wanted to hold yours. You're, you're the last you one. wanted to hold yours, though, right? Well, I, I think we have yeah. the same one because I think you're going to go for the same performance, okay. but a specific one. So, I mean, for me, it's always been Rickman until, for some reason, this time, when I, I watched it with Corey this past weekend, and everything Rockwell did had me dying. Absolutely dying. And there were... There were uh, Two in particular. It was both in that scene where they first go down to the planet with the rock monster, and he's they're in the ship, and he he goes, "I'm the one who's supposed to die. Why am I going out there?" And then Sigourney Weaver says something like, "And like no one knows my last name, and I'm supposed to die." And Sigourney Weaver goes, "But guy, you have a last name," and he just goes, "Do I? Do I really?" <laughs> and then my favorite one, and the, the one where I was. We had to stop the movie. I was in tears laughing after the one where he's talking to Tony Shalhoub and he goes, that's an alien planet. What are you doing? Is there air? You don't know. (laughs) I was in tears for five minutes. It was so funny. Yeah, that was that was mine, too. And to uh, to add on to what Justin said, what you know, now that I've gone back through next gen um not only does he get added to the cast as, as an actual character but they made him chief security officer and oh, i thought that, that was a funny mm-hmm. little nod yep which is wasn't that Chekhov's eventual job on tos 
Uh, it's kind of more of a next gen thing because, like, every character. Yeah, because it was, you know, Tasha Yar, and then she was replaced by War. Yeah. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they actually had a uh, chief security officer on TOS. You know what? I think they called Chekhov that in some of the movies. Yeah. Uh, oh, they, yeah. They, had, they had to give him an official title. He, he couldn't just be co pilot the whole time. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of the movies, there were a couple things that I was thinking, and, you know, I actually looked a couple of these things up. Um, just so I knew what we were talking about. We had all the dates. Um, so the first thing was, I was wondering when Generations came out. And that was actually 94. 94, yep. Yep. Um, November the, 94. The biggest, the biggest thing that I think really led to this type of movie, surprise, surprise, was The Simpsons being a huge you know, pop culture thing that it was, especially at the time. Uh, in 98, they, I don't know what part of 98, but it was 98. They had an episode called Mayor to the Mob, where Homer takes over as the bodyguard for Mayor Quimby, and then they end up at a sci-fi convention, and he becomes the bodyguard for Mark Hamill, and was basically just doing Luke Skywalker. And uh, the whole the atmosphere of the cons, and you know what the stars are really like, and you know you had the old Star Trek people filling in a little. And a lot of that really seemed to be like where the launching pad for this came in. Um, And then as far as the marketing and the director, you know, we could talk about that. Um, So the director is not very well known. Uh, His name's Dean Parsiot. Remind me, I got something uh, on that if you don't say it. Sure, sure. Well, I was going to say, you know, he he most recently resurfaced with uh, Bill and Ted 3. Mm -hmm. But before that, he did a couple of like, you know, really... I wouldn't say underrated. Some of them are, are culty. Like you have uh, Home Fries, you have ATF. Um, but the initial director was supposed to be Harold Ramis. And that just, for whatever reason, it fell through. From what I yeah. read, he wanted to do he wanted to do something that was way darker, might have actually been rated R. Uh, and he wanted to get into the the meta nature of it all way more than this actually does. That does not surprise me. Yeah. Uh, but yes, as far as the marketing, I remember, and you know, even I, like I said, I watched the uh, Honest Trail. I was looking for some, you know, reviews and perspectives. Everybody loves this thing, um, and they even showed from the original trailer that, like, it was marketed not only as a kids' movie, but like this weird, like, screwball comedy. And you know, yeah, there's a few totally odd scenes, and there's definitely some stuff you could sell, like, oh, this was for the focus group. This was for the trailer. Uh, but obviously, you know, it gets dark in places. It has heart. It's got some uh, really good themes. It's got the whole meta thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fairly smart movie, you know, especially how, well, we'll get to that, but, you know, basically the whole conflict rev- rev- resolution thing. Um, but, yeah, the, the trailer has, like, you know, uh, Rockwell, like, falling over, pretending to faint, and you have, like, Tim Allen bumping into Tony Shalhoub, and then you have, like, the little weird-looking aliens, and you have the... Uh, the Thermians doing their, their laugh clap thing and you know. Hmm. I I uh I got a couple of facts for you if uh, you don't mind. Shoot, uh, man. I uh I ended up watching it on Amazon, so it has like that X ray thing on the side of it, uh, with all like the different facts. Oh, is that what that does? Me. I've never used that. Oh, it's a yeah, great yeah, feature. Yeah, it's like pop up video. Yeah, and um, so a couple of them that stood out to me, I wrote them down. Uh, which one I already knew. Uh, the Office. Uh, everybody knows uh, Rain Wilson, who plays Dwight. For those who haven't seen The Office, um, it was actually his first cinematic appearance. 
um, in this movie, which I think I had heard before, uh, but I didn't realize it was like his first error. There's also another like semi-famous mid-level comedian movie star that made his debut in this movie. Do you know who it was? Uh, was it um, the the main alien guy there? No, no, oh. no. It was Justin Long. Oh yeah, oh, this yeah. was this was That's his first too. Yeah, oh, I, didn't, I didn't realize this was his first too. Well, there. I've added more than I thought I was going to tonight. You, you have, yeah. And then, you know, I was watching some of it with Sarah, and we didn't know if it was Justin Long's first movie, or you know, I thought Accepted might have come first, but I guess that was a little later. But yeah. And then, uh, and then also at the very beginning, which I thought it was weird to put it at the very beginning when the credits started, but it mentioned that, um, you know, J.J. Uh, Abrams he made the uh, uh, 09 Star Trek and uh, Into Darkness, and really? in the 09 movie, um, the the scene where uh, Kirk and Sulu, like uh, Sulu's trying to get Kirk uh, as they're like free falling and trying to get him back into the into the Enterprise, and they're trying to get a hold of his pattern or whatever. He actually got that idea from uh, when they're saving Tim Allen's character from the rock monster. Oh, neat! That makes sense now that you say it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I don't know how one hundred percent true it is, but. You know, that's that's one of the other things. And then another one that they mentioned was um, the um, you know how on the Enterprise it's, uh, you know, um, I'm going to mess up the letters. Um, NCC. Yep. And, then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 1701 on on this ship, uh, the protector, I think it is something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Um, the first letters are N.T.E. Does anybody want to take a guess at what N? T-E stands for? Not the Enterprise? No. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. So it's I guess it's like little things like that that, you know. See, that's back I, when, when Easter eggs. Hoping to pick it up. See, that's back when Easter eggs actually were like, hey, here's a hint to something. Figure it out instead of just being like, hey, remember? Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, it was Stan Winston for special effects, the company anyway. And apparently, uh, two of the effects guys were the MythBusters. Ah. Oh, oh yeah. no, I didn't know that. Oh, cool. Yeah, one Jesus. other, one other thing up? I tracked down: um, the lead alien guy, played by uh, Enrico Colantoni, mm-hmm. he had that really weird speech cadence through all that. Uh, mouth yeah. bizarre, right? He was this. Was this movie before or after Battlefield Earth? Bef- uh, uh, I'm gonna guess before. before, but let me look it up. Um, he went into that audition with that really weird speech pattern, and they liked it so much they wanted him to use it. That makes sense. Well, I, while you're looking that up, I'll say my biggest takeaway from watching it again all these years later. Um, you know, I, I now know where uh, Jim Parsons got his Sheldon Cooper from. He's pretty much just a Thermian. Brent, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, I hate that show. Battlefield Earth was a year after this. Uh, okay, uh, so, like, I think it was '97. So, like, John Travolta did a really bad B-grade version of the guy you were just saying there, the Thorian leader. Oh right, yeah. He was in uh, the guy who's the Thermian leader. He was, um, I can't remember the actor's name, but he was in a show, wasn't he? Like Just Shoot Me or something? He was. That was that show. Yeah. 
All right, all right, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember, I remember, and then, and then I think he was also in that show with uh, Kimberly the Pink Ranger. Um, it was that Canadian show. Uh, uh, yes, Flashpoint. Flash yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Corey liked that one, so we watched that a lot. <laughs> it yeah, it was bad. on. It was. Yeah, it's one of those shows like you know, like uh, like the Chicago shows and and uh, NCIS and stuff like that and Bones, where they just like come up with like the repeats. So I always like ended up just watching it, you know, when somebody had it on. The one of the things I found funny about this movie is it's clearly you know they're clearly trying to in a loving way make fun of the original series for Star Trek, but it doesn't go like it's not a total analog. Like there's no. McCoy analog and there's no um, who's the other one? There's no like Chekhov analog basically. It hits everybody else. Uh, well, I, Tony oh. Shalhoub's character is kind of a mix between Chekhov and Sulu so in a way they kind of either yeah. joke that would apply to like you know what I mean? They kind of melded yeah. the character together to get him. But yeah and there I is think- really there's no real McCoy fucking stand in though which is weird. Well yeah, I, I know that it was a lot, a big parody on, you know, the original series, but I got a lot more next gen out of it than anything. Yeah, I caught I caught a next gen uh, type of thing, too, uh, especially with Weaver, uh, Sigourney Weaver. Uh, I know her character is technically supposed to be like a horror where, you know, she's like repeating the thing. It's kind of like making fun of the fact that all she did was like repeat what the people said or whatever because she was a communications officer but i also got a little bit of a deanna vibe from her too because she was like sexualized and everything like that and obviously deanna was sexualized in the uh uh you know the next gen series so i mean i kind of got like a little bit of a hybrid uh from her Mm -hmm. yeah yep um let me go back to the notes i had for this um, oh, and uh, another uh, next gen. I was just looking at my notes. Another next gen uh, similarity I saw was at the end. Um, you know how they're like, oh, we got to separate so that way, like, the ship doesn't destroy the planet or whatever. <laughs> when they separate the saucer section, essentially, that reminded me of uh, Generations. Yeah. When uh, when they separate it and then, uh, you know, they bring the saucer section down onto the planet. Um, that that part reminded me of generations when they like crash into the convention center or whatever. If I'm not mistaken, Star Trek Insurrection also came out in this year, and this movie was better than that. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. <laughs> in a lot of ways, this was the Orville to yeah to the official yep. Star Wars at the time. Yeah. Oh, yep. absolutely. Um, uh, Star Trek. I gotta, yeah, I gotta yeah, yeah, yeah. people, you know, put you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Before, before we get hate mail, you, you Dude, right it, yeah. talking point you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. So, oh, go, Josh. Yeah, I was Brent. Yeah, no, okay. I was just laughing. Um, the other question I had, and obviously we can go off of this or whatever, um, with twenty plus years of distance from when it came out originally. Uh, what is your opinion of the impact that this film has had in pop culture terms? Uh, so, yeah, that was definitely something that fascinated me because, you know, after I watched it, I wanted to do a little bit of research and obviously it's become this huge cult classic. Um, you know, a lot of these kind of fandoms, I think most people 
you know, pretend to like things or, or they know of things and then they, they like to talk about them because it's popular. Uh, this was one that really, you know, like the plot of the movie, you have the fans doing a push to get the revival series. And uh, that's that's something we see all the time in our world now. We've seen it, you know, successfully happen many times over, including the Orville. Um, yeah, hell, including Family Guy. But there's been other, you know, long dormant series that have come back on, on Netflix, on Amazon. I mean, look, we, we're all, you know, going nuts for Cobra Kai or everybody. But me, I haven't watched it. Me either. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, did it really make Star Trek popular? Uh, I don't know that Star Trek ever actually got popular beyond the Star Trek fan base. You know, I know that the J.J. movies, at least the first one, they made a lot of money. That means people saw it. doesn't mean that they were actually like Star Trek fans. And it certainly didn't translate to the rest of them, nor did it translate to, you know, the series that they've been running over the uh, last five, ten years, quality aside. Um, It definitely influenced a, a major episode of Futurama that did unite the entire TOS crew. Uh, and that one might have even become more famous than this movie because it was Star Trek. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, this was a time period, 99 up until probably 2005, where, you know, Comic-Con was like the thing for the nerds and the actual nerds. And it was, you know, you had Artist Alley and you had people dressed up in weird costumes. And it was before the big, you know, modern Hollywood boom. And, uh, you know, now you have people who are like, you know, oh, I, I always wanted to go to Comic-Con because I saw it in Galaxy Quest and I, it just blows my mind. I'm like, what the fuck? Well, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't aware of those things before this movie either. Um, Me neither. You know, and I've, as we all know, I've been, I have tickets to the, the yearly uh, Star Trek Con in Vegas. It was supposed to be last year and it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so, yeah, I mean, this movie almost kind of made me aware of that, too. I mean, other than ads and comic books that I never paid attention to, I had no clue that people did that. Yeah, see, I, I was a big Wizard Magazine reader when I was a kid, and I knew all about Comic-Con. So that's when I saw this, I was yep. like, ah, oh, that does look like what those pictures look like. Yep. Yeah, I, I'd been to uh, Megacon, at least by this point, and uh, I have no idea how my mom didn't go with us. It probably was over Christmas. They probably had a fight, and then Lance was like, you know, we'll go see this movie. <laughs> but this is definitely one that's way up more in my mom's alley. I'm sure she's seen it since. I did see the uh, the 90s Trek movies with her, with the both of them. And, um, you know, so yeah, I, I had that affinity for things like Comic-Con. I, I knew that, you know, the level the Trek fan base would go to between her and her friends. And, um you know, watching it in theaters as a kid, I actually, I don't know if I liked it more because I definitely appreciated it more, especially on the meta level. But as, ter- as far as its own thing and a, a serious story, you know, I think it resonated with me more then because now I felt like it was way too mainstream. And like, you know, even things like they didn't have shields, they had armor. And um, they, they dumbed down a lot of the terms. So I'm surprised that it had the following it did. Well, one of the, one of the things I wanted to bring up while we're talking about conventions and stuff was the uh, the original convention scene at the beginning of the movie when uh, you know after he goes to the bathroom and hears them you know making fun of them being at the convention, uh, you know uh, Tim Allen's character uh, Nesmith uh, freaks out 
on uh, Justin Long and, and his friends that come with all like the specs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was just thinking like, man, if that happened now at like a 2020, 2021 convention, that would have been, somebody would have videotaped it on their phone. It'd be all over the internet, all over social media. And, and in the movie, he just freaks out and then just walks away and everybody's just like, Oh, so it's kind of like one of those like time capsule things where like, you know, 22 years later, uh, you know, it, it would have went very differently if, if that movie was shot today, because it would have been like, so you're not, you're not wrong, but what's really funny is obviously, you know, Jason Desmond is supposed to be William Shatner and even though we do live in the today world of cancel culture, William Shatner doesn't give the slightest of fucks, and he gets into it on Twitter with people all the oh, time yeah. and just says, hey, look, Spordo. His battle with Red Letter Media over the last couple of years has been one of the most entertaining things I've ever seen. Absolutely, but even beyond that, you know, I mean, he just goes at the, uh, the Twitterati and all them, and I remember going to a movie a couple of years ago and like I turned on my phone before the movie and was like, oh, William Shatner's getting in a fight on Twitter with people. And then like we got out of the movie and there was like 30,000 retweets. And, I, you know, it was he, he said some sort of no, no word about some group of people you're not supposed to talk about. And uh, I, I remember him and Patrice O'Neill were both on the Charlie Sheen roast back in the day. And, like, the mm-hmm. shit he was saying about Patrice O'Neill was, like, holy shit. Like, that's not just a joke. Like, I think Captain Kirk might honestly be racist. <laughs> like, well, you know. Yeah, he, he freaked out on a few people when uh, when I saw him uh, at one of the cons over here, uh, what, 2000, 2019. And, uh, yeah, he, he was doing like a question and answer thing, and he kind of went on, like, a little bit of a rambling rant and – was kind of like making fun of people who were in line or whatever if like they said something weird or whatever so yeah he's uh he's still he's still doing it he has points <laughs> in my book did i tell you guys i met him no you haven't i mean for like for like 90 Sadly. seconds it was an event thing but a couple of years ago they had a, a showing of wrath of khan here where he give, did a q a afterwards and uh you know being that i'm disabled and stuff uh Myself and a, the friend I went with, Corey didn't want to go. Um, I had paid for the VIP stuff, and is a really old building, and they weren't, you know, the people that were going back to meet him. Like you crawled up on the stage and went backstage, right? And they didn't want me to do that. They're like, uh, "No, because we don't want you to sue us if you like fall off the stage." Um, so. He actually came out after he had sp- spoken to every single person in there. And, you know, he was very nice to me. He was a really, seemed like a really cool guy. It was literally a 90 second interaction. It wasn't like it was a, yeah, it was a the fact that he, the fact that he came out of his way to come out and see you personally because you paid for it. That's actually a big thing that I, I wouldn't have expected from him. Yeah. Cause I, I was thinking, I was assuming at one point <laughs> that yes, I paid for this, but at some point he's just going to be like, well, fuck that. <laughs> You know, so I was. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard uh, you know good stories about him and bad stories, but as far as all of them, he seems to be one of the ones that actually usually likes to mm-hmm. to mingle with the fans. And I will say, from happy. a lot of the stuff he said in the Q and A and whatever, I think he's very aware that that fan base is what made him famous. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And he, uh, he knows it's he weird because like William Shatner and Adam West both kind of had that same career thing where like 
they were like classically trained actors. They ended up being like a cheesy role on a TV show that everyone remembered for years. And like, they tried to get out of that shadow and then embraced it once they hit a certain age. But it's like, it's weird. Cause like Shatner, the Canadian guy was the one who went all like fucking like <laughs> fucking racist grandpa yeah. and fucking Adam West was like the super friendly. Like you'd think he was the Canadian kind of fucking person. <laughs> like, <laughs> If you're going by like stereotypes of countries, right? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, Shatner was doing um, all those uh, like documentaries or whatever. Not even just the last one that he did about uh, TNG, but uh, you know, he also did uh, the Captains, where he interviewed uh, Patrick Stewart and uh, Janeway, and uh, which she was at that con too, and um, you know, all the other, you know, all the captains, including. Uh, Pine. Um, you know, he, he did the, that one. And then in the uh, uh, bonus Blu-ray of the uh, set of the six original films is like a, is like an interview thing with uh, uh, Nimoy, um, uh, uh, Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Franks and him. Um, and they're doing like a like a roundtable kind of, you know, shooting the shit type of thing. And uh, it's pretty interesting. I think I think it's also on YouTube. You can probably find I'll tell it. you too. But uh, yeah, he, he's he's done a few. He's done a few. Uh, you know, like trek things over like the last I don't know, fifteen, twenty years, like trying to get back into the whole fan base. I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack, and then Rescued Nine One One with William Shatner yep. were like a double thing on Friday nights <laughs> that I used to watch my grandmother all the time. <laughs> I've Ooh. seen that. I remember, I remember watching that a couple of times. I've seen that thing, The Captains, too. And if you ever yep. want to laugh, just watch the stuff he does with Avery Brooks because Avery Brooks is a fucking crazy person. <laughs> it's just really bizarre. I can't, it's so weird. I can't even describe it. But like Corey and I watched like, yeah, I think, I think it's on, uh, I think it's on Prime, yeah. Amazon Prime. Corey and I watched like 10 minutes of the stuff he did with Avery Brooks. And we were just like, I don't even know what this guy's talking about. What what's going on? Yeah. We do have uh, some some quotes and responses from uh, some Star Trek people okay. regarding Galaxy Quest. Uh, Shatner's is hilarious. He says, "I thought it was very funny. I thought the audience they portrayed was totally real. The actors they were pretending to be totally unrecognizable. <laughs> Certain. I don't know what Tim Allen was doing." He seemed to be the head of a group of actors. And for the life of me, I was trying to understand who he was imitating. The only one I recognized was the girl playing Michelle <laughs> Nichols. <laughs> that, uh, I, I will not try to do George Takei, but basically oh he says it's a, a good piece of documentary filmmaking. He believes that when they all get kidnapped by aliens, it's going to be Trek fans that save the day. And he was rolling, watching Tim Allen do Shatner and take his shirt off, and everybody rolling their eyes. Yeah, that, uh, and that, then that, yeah. was a, that was another thing I thought was hilarious too. Was that you know eventually Tim Allen got his shirt off, which is like a you know beef on oh, the fact course. that you know Shatner ended up with his shirt off. I think Rickman calls him on it too. Is like you just had to get your shirt off, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, they both do. Um, and then we have Sir Patrick Stewart. He said, "I had originally not wanted to see Galaxy Quest because I heard it was making fun of Star Trek." Jonathan Frakes rang me up and said, you must not miss this movie. See it on a Saturday night in a full theater. I did, and of course, I found it was brilliant. Brilliant. No one laughed louder or longer in the cinema than I did. The idea that the ship was saved and all of our heroes in the movie were saved simply by the fact that there were fans who did understand scientific principles on which the ship worked was absolutely wonderful. 
It was funny and touching, and it paid tribute to the dedication of these fans, hmm. says the man who did Picard. Yeah, we can talk oh, about that. Oh, that was the guy who did that was that was Picard. I thought that was a Kathleen Kennedy quote. Right. <laughs> but no, like just remember when actors and studios actually were like, hey man, this is why the fans are great, instead of just being like, oh well. Starting fucking bullshit so fights funny. like you're not a real fan and ugh. What? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Patrick Stewart just got too old and complacent. You know, there was a time when he actually enjoyed the things he was in, had a lot of fun with them, and uh, that time was... I, I, would, I would argue... As, yeah, started making that, started making that X-Men money, and it just all I changed. would argue as somebody that yep. watched Picard, and I know, Brent, you watched the first couple, I don't think he was the problem. I think the fact that they didn't know what to do with that show was the problem. Yeah. Oh sure, I'm not saying he was the problem. I'm just saying that yeah. you know, I, I watched the first one, and um, you know, obviously, I've seen all the other things. Um, they, you know, it was not right. written by he fans. Gets, for he fans. gets sidelined for the vast majority of a show that has his character's name on it. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and I know they're doing another season of it. And I'm hoping they correct that, but we'll see. Well, now it's yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't a fan. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, Picard, I only ended up watching, uh, I think I ended up watching, like, the first episode, because I think it was on They some, put the first one on YouTube for then, a couple weeks. All right, all right, yeah, that's that's how I saw it. And then, um, yep. and then I saw, like, um, all the clips from, like, the, uh, uh, the um, Riker and uh, Deanna episode mostly because I just wanted to watch that yeah. one because they were some of my favorite characters on TNG. But uh, yeah, it didn't, you know, the more and more people start talking about Picard and stuff like that, I was like, ooh, it's not really something I'm going to be watching. <laughs> well, it's just, it's another one of these like modern reboots that's written by people who really didn't give a shit about the original series, yeah. right? So then when the fans that did give a shit about it start being like, well, it's not really for me, then they lose their mind because they personally insulted their creative genius. And it's like, it's such a terrible trend in Hollywood now because like, it's not only the Star Trek franchise that has pulled that on its fan base, like every major franchise has pretty much done it the minute someone says, well, maybe this isn't going the way that I, I feel is mine. You know what I mean? Like, it's for me. Which is why, you know, it's a good thing they didn't do a, a Galaxy Quest revival because the whole, the, the fans would be yep. the villain, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that's so against what the original was in the first place. And it's mm -hmm. and that, that's probably why it's a cult hit now, because it's like, if people our age are like, hey, remember when, like, they actually gave a shit about the fans? Like, at least enough to acknowledge them. Yep. Well, I think with mm -hmm. Trek, uh, one of the main problems right now in terms of all these revivals they've been having, and we've talked about that, where um, they supposedly have that like that contract where it has to be like so much percent different than the original stuff because of rights issues yeah, and I, stuff like that. So I think I don't that's know if the that's true anymore, though, because I don't know if that's true anymore, though, because CBS and 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 Paramount are now all the same company. So I don't know if that even matters anymore. The only thing. Well, I think I think it matters. I think it matters to like the stuff yeah. that's already been like started. Right. So I'm 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 pretty sure anything they do now, in terms of like, um, like Discovery, Picard, um, uh, I'm blanking on the other show. Uh, the cartoon. Lower uh, Deck. Sector. 
Sector Six? No, the uh, the new one. Um, with oh, that's Pike. not out yet. No, oh yeah, the, all right. Strange New Worlds, uh, but but with that one, Strange New Worlds, that was the name of it. Um, well, it's not out yet, but basically, it's in that universe where it's like slightly different, you know. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they can they can touch on stuff from the original like universe or whatever, but it just seems like they got to make everything a little bit different. Yeah. So, I'm curious about that. I um, I mean, my whole thing with those new shows, I mean. I pay for CBS All Access because I enjoy those things, but I think the main thing that bugs me, like your your guys' reaction to those things, don't bug me because Brent, like I know you've tried some of it, you didn't like it, and Justin, I know you tried some of it, you didn't like it. What bugs me, and it's, it's a form of gatekeeping that I just hate, and I always have with anything, where all these people are like, "It sucks. It's not real Star Trek." Meh. It's like and my my immediate response is, have you seen any of it? Have you made the effort to watch it at least? And they're like, no. Then shut your mouth. Well, oh, yeah, I, I would never comment on something I didn't watch. Um, and I said I only watched the first one. Um, but even from that, I mean, there's people who are going to like it. It's not for me. Someone just fall down the stairs. <laughs> that might be better than the uh, time I asked if somebody flushed the toilet. The Damn. <laughs> no, that's that's me. I'm trying to get the like I said like I said earlier. I'm doing I'm doing laundry again, but uh, I was trying to get the thingy back in the uh, the the uh, lint thing back in the thing. Trying to do it slowly and quietly so you didn't hear anything this time. <laughs> Apparently, it didn't work. I think the I think the red thingy is about to hit the green thingy. <laughs> but there were uh, uh, just uh, uh, going back to my notes though I don't know if this is out of order based on what you wanted to do but uh, oh, we're past that I did now, find right? quite a bit of uh, yeah <laughs> uh, I did find uh, quite a bit of Trek references um, just because obviously they're you know they're, they're goofing on Trek but there's also a lot of things I picked up on like um, the bad guy um, I forget his name, but uh, he was very much like a mixture of like, I would probably say like the three main bad guys of those uh, TOS movies. Like uh, there was a little bit of Khan in them. There was a little bit of uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd's Klingon character. I keep forgetting his uh, name. And, um, Krug, yeah, that's right. And, um, and then uh, Christopher Plummer. You know, his General like, Chang. you know, his General Chang, yes, yes, and uh, you know, even at Macy end, knows his Klingons, yep. And then, even at the end, I uh, I noticed that there was like an undiscovered country type of reference, like during that whole like battle, that end battle or whatever. It seemed very much like the end battle of uh, undiscovered country when they're like above uh, Earth and they're trying to stop the assassination thing, but like that whole like uh, space battle. That they had going on there, it kind of reminded me of it, and it also a little bit reminded me of Wrath of Khan, uh, from the whole, uh, you know, going into the nebula and then like trying to hide from them or whatever yep. when they go into that minefield, and then they end up bringing the mines back yep. out. Uh, that kind of reminded me a lot of uh, Wrath of Khan, um, and then uh, and then another thing was uh, the Omega Thirteen, that pretty much I think was like a, a thing for Genesis. And oh, the whole time the bad guy's like, the whole the whole time the bad guy's like, um, 
the whole time he's like, uh, uh, where's the Omega 13? I need the Omega 13. And it reminded me of Christopher Lloyd going, where is Genesis? Where is Genesis? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and then, and then when he hits the Omega 13 at the end, you know, to do the whole three 13 second thing reminded me of when Khan hit it, you know, at the end of Wrath of Khan. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they were purposely doing it on purpose or whatever, yeah. but it's just stuff that I picked up on. I was trying to figure out if there was some, mm. and you know, I I've wa- I watched the whole original series within the last few months, and I was trying to figure out with that Omega Thirteen thing in particular, was there some thing in TOS or TNG that they would reference but was never actually used, so they didn't know what it did. I mean. I don't remember um, anything like that. I don't. I don't think so. I think, I think the whole point of the uh, that whole thing was that it was like a, um, it was like a thing where uh, they. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Never mind. <laughs> I think it was just. It was more or less just the tech jargon that they go on with, like in Star Trek, like sometimes, like they'll be written into a corner, and Data will be like, "Well, due to the multimodal resorting," to, and it's like, okay. They just whip out something that sounds really sciencey. Yeah. yeah, it seemed seemed to me like you know what would happen if you opened right. up a warp core. Yeah, where I think Star Trek generally just says if you do that, you're going to blow up. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. All right. Hold on. I I remember what I was going on that track of thought. Um, it kind of reminded me of like something that like they were, because. Uh, because the when he says hit the Omega thirteen and it says to be continued, there was never another part oh, of that. Yeah, right. That was like the last episode or something. Okay. So it kind of reminds me of how they just kind of like canceled it, and it kind of reminds me of how they just canceled uh, Star Trek, even though it was like you know it was still semi popular in the third season. Yeah. I mean, it didn't much much like much like the the Batman sixty six series. Um, it didn't really catch its full popularity until the reruns in the uh, late seventies, early eighties when they started doing the reruns. Yep. And um, so, um, but I think I think that was kind of like a thing where it was like, oh, you know, the show just ended, and then there was no continuation, and so, you know, it, it kind of seemed like that was just like they don't know what it does because the show never <laughs> told us yep. what it did. Josh, I think it's interesting you brought up before. Um, did this really contribute to the popularity of Star Trek in any way? I don't really think it did, in part because by 1999, I think even the fans were, even diehard Trek fans were a little burned out by then, just because between 1987 and 2005, there was never not a Star Trek show on the air. So, I mean, I would wonder if by then, you know, if they had maybe somehow done this movie in the early 90s when... TNG was just starting to be a thing. Maybe it might have done that, but uh, I don't think it does. Well, what what I meant by that was like you know even the new fans at the time that it aired of TNG were either you know Star Trek fans from the original My series age. or yeah. the kind <laughs> of kids who would have been. Um, you know, it was never like a, a mainstream thing for you know all the Joeys. And uh, with the 2005 one, you know, oh, nine, was 2005 was or 2009, Abel. I forget. Um, that's right. The, the JJ one, you know, they, they went for like, you know, everybody. So I think if this was trying to reach the everybody market, um, 
you know, I don't think it, it succeeded, but it made a lot of money. I think it was like a seven, eight million budget and it made like 70, 80 million. Um, you know, it, it hit some markets yeah. and it definitely, I almost kind of wonder if it was, classic. if it was one of those cases where home video was a big thing for it too. Yeah, I think I think no, it had. Uh, I think the home video market was kind of like that thing, along with like uh, uh, Mask of the Phantasm, where it didn't really hit in uh, in theaters very well because of the marketing, but it did well in uh, home release. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Galaxy Quest was one of those movies where it was. Uh, I think, well, we did the box office stuff, so it was it was kind of a hit, but I mean, it didn't make the money that you would probably, at least nowadays, I mean, everything's making billions of dollars, but back then, I think that would have been decent numbers for a movie I mean, like that. Um, it, it was, it was 90, it was 90 yeah, on yeah, no, 45, so it would have just broken even. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, I think that was, I think that was pretty decent for, for a movie that, you know, was kind of like a parody like a space balls type of thing, you know, that's how people probably looked at it at first was probably like a Trek version oh, of space balls. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Oh, it, it had a uh, no, it it had 45 budget. I thought it was like seven, eight, my bad. All right, I was way off. Was yeah. Way but, off. um, but yeah, so, and then, um, and then another thing just, to, you know, keep it in this, uh, you know, target demographics. Um, I was actually probably one of the tem- target demographics as I was like nine, yeah, nine at the time. And uh, another movie that came out in 99 from a different star franchise was Phantom Menace. And uh, Phantom Menace, which I feel like was probably supposed to get kids my age into Star Wars, uh, didn't because I had watched, I had watched the, uh, the Last Chance the, uh, tapes for um, the original trilogy. And so when I went into Phantom Menace, I was like, where's Luke Skywalker? Where's Han Solo? Where's Princess Leia? Like, I'm like, oh, wait, this all takes place, like, beforehand? And now there's supposed to be a, like, I was so confused when I went in there as, like, a nine-year-old because I had already been a Star uh, Star Wars fan, which I originally saw Star Wars because I thought it was part of Star Trek. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, and then this movie hit. Uh, hit me at least better because I was already a Star Trek fan. So when they were kind of making fun of it, I realized that they were kind of making fun of it, and so it kind of like hit another level or whatever. I wasn't I mean? even a Trek fan at nine. You got that on me. <laughs> well, yeah, I told you guys before that uh, uh, TNG because of it being in syndication, um, it wasn't prime time for me. It was pretty much right after Power Rangers. <laughs> so, so it was, it was, you know, like. Like whatever, like four thirty, five o'clock, whatever. Whenever it ended, you know, the the latest episode of Star Trek would come on, and I actually started watching it in the uh, seventh season, and uh, then then all the repeats started. So then during the summer, I started watching it from the beginning. I was like, wait a minute, why is Worf have a different color shirt on? <laughs> I was like, why why is Jordy have a different color shirt on? <laughs> oh, that's right. When I when I was a kid, like when yeah. I remember watching Star Trek in the evening and then the next morning I'd turn on like reading rainbow and I couldn't figure out like how he had eyes in one and didn't in the other. Right. Oh, that's great. That was one of those first times where like I actually put together like, Oh, these people are just playing make pretend like, right. Fuck, That was, that was years ago though, man. I was, I was little then. I think we, uh, I think we lost John. 
We we lost John. Let's see. Hopefully he'll come back in. Um, all right. So we're gonna we're just gonna keep riffing for a minute. Somebody else pulled the chat. Um, so before John gets back, just the things that we've talked about. Um, what do you think were the uh, the the highs and the lows? Uh, what worked? What didn't work? Um, I thought the cast was actually pretty fucking spot on. Like, there was a lot of, like, weird personalities that came together from different genres, and they all just, they all made it work. And, like, it's between, like, actually making me give a shit about these weird characters and, like, picking out the parody moments that they were trying to pull from different Trek. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I just thought the cast was, like, yeah, a high point for me. Uh, yeah, I would, okay. I would probably go with uh, the cast, too, because the cast, uh, was uh was definitely a high point um you know just a melding of everybody and uh um you know even if it wasn't based on star trek like it's a uh a very good cast and if they even wanted to do a sequel at the time i mean you know it was different enough where uh you know you could even really you know have them as their own cast of people yeah. So, yeah, I will definitely echo the cast thing. Uh, as far as the writing, though, I think that this is a movie that, you know, as simplistic as they might be, really has some fleshed out defined character arcs. And you see pretty much every character needs to go from, you know, a very low point, point A, to a high point, redemption arc, yeah. point B. Yeah, like that. No characters left behind in it. Like, even Sam Rockwell gets his fucking time to shine. Like, yeah, and like and like I said, his uh, his whole arc, like he, uh, you know, he, yeah. he gets to finish his arc, which you know doesn't really happen when you're like a side character half of the time, especially nowadays. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the writing was great. I mean, it had. Uh-huh. Yep. We're still here. At the uh, end, where he finally, like, he finally, uh, you know, takes the, uh, the the slogan, you know, and he finally, like, you know, um, what am I say? What am I trying to say? Like, uh, convicts himself to the character. You know what I mean? He, uh, commits. Yeah, commits. Yeah. There we go. He uh, finally commits yeah. himself to you know that character yeah. after like you know hating it for so long, and now he like you know is embodying it because there are actual people that it affected. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think we have John back. John, you're here. Yeah. I don't see, yeah, him, I don't see the... him on the thing. I'm not hearing him. All right. Maybe he signs in and out. Um, but yeah, to, to circle back on that, um, you know, the, the subplots didn't all land for me. Um, I thought the uh, Tony Shalhoub uh, love interest, that fell flat. The Alan Rickman being the, you know, the father figure mentor, that, that was good. You know, that, that had a lot of heart. Uh, I, I love the, you know, everything with Sam Rockwell, like we said. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, you know, I remember Lance saying, like, you know, man, her tits just keep coming out more and more. <laughs> 
and uh, by the end of the movie, she's you know running around almost topless with her bra hanging out, and uh, kind of being the the inverse of Ripley, although Ripley was in her underwear the whole time. Yeah. Um, and then obviously with Tim Allen, you know he becomes like an actual commander and uh, saves the day. Okay. There we go. We got John back. There we go. He's back. All right. So, yeah, we were talking highs and lows. Uh, we mentioned, you know, everybody said the cast is high. I said the uh, the writing, the character arcs for pretty much everybody going from a low point A to a yeah. very high redemption arc point B. Um, I said the Tony Shalhoub subplot didn't work for me. Um, again, uh, I think the cast and lows? lends it a ridiculous amount of credibility. Like, the... The one thing I remember saying to Corey when we finished it was like, if this had been like a sci-fi channel production where they just used like, no offense, Brent, but like random actors from Canada, there's no way, there's no way this would have worked as well as it did. Like, I think the presence of people like Tim Allen and Weaver and Rickman make people care about something like this, where it would never have done that otherwise. Yeah. And uh, lows for me were, you know, the one thing that stuck out to me was that, and I mean, I know he's probably the smallest name in this entire movie at this point, but uh, Daryl Mitchell doesn't get a lot to do. And you would think with a, with a cast that relatively small, they would have been able to do that. Well, I think he was supposed to be like Wesley Crusher. And then they like the joke was the joke, and then they didn't really have much for him yeah, to do. Yeah, and the only place to go with the character was just, hey, he grows up. Yeah, he does yeah. what he does. Like, but I do get what you're saying. Like, he he was pretty kind of, he had some good moments, but he didn't have like, yeah, a full fucking right. through line. Like, and I feel like if they'd done that revival thing, now that that guy's in a wheelchair in real life, I feel like he would have gotten, you know. That plot, he would have gotten a plot line somehow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd be I'd be behind watching a revival as long as it was done by like the same writer, the same people. You know what I mean? I'm telling you. So so I'm going to drop uh, Legends of Tomorrow here, which I know John can piggyback on. It would go over like the uh, Time Bureau. And you're going to have them like, you know, they, they come in, the Thermians or the new Thermians pick them up. They immediately save the day, use the Omega-13. Or no, they save the day, and then this, like, Time Bureau ripoff comes in, uses the Omega-13, and is like, you know, well, everything you just did was problematic. And this is, like, a terrible show that sexualizes women and is full of tosc- toxic masculinity. <laughs> and uh, the, the whole focus of the thing will be that, like, you know, the show is outdated and wrong and had the wrong message. And that the fans are the villains. Yeah, true enough. And they they would be even <laughs> like they would be even harder luck acting wise than they were at the beginning of the original movie. They don't, you know, like Sigourney Weaver would be doing porn or something. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I can't see that happening. Yeah, I don't know. If they would go to that degree, but they would probably just <laughs> you know have her be like a nun or something. But I mean, that's just it. Like. <sighs> when you see how old like the original series cast was in the last couple of movies. Oh, Justin dropped out. 
Well, we'll give them the uh, the Spocks and. Uh... But yeah, <laughs> no, like uh, when you think about like the, how old some of the um, the the cast was in from the original series in the last couple of movies, right? Like they were not action heroes. So like, and then you go into like the sequel series of Star Wars now, and that's like the three main actors were all like fucking near seventy. So like, I think they could actually do like a hey we're all getting old and we're fucking trying to cash in one last time on a fucking big franchise. And then they show up and they're like, Hey, how about one more adventure? And they're like, okay, fuck getting rich. We want to do one of the adventure again. Like there's a way to pull that story off. Yeah, there actually would be. I hadn't thought of that. That would be interesting. And you, right. There's ways that you can spoof like the way the franchises are going now where it's like, Hey, here's an old callback character, but they're going to die off. So like you could actually kill off a couple of the characters just, Yep. to pay them cameo fees when you bring in someone new for the scene like for the you could, yeah i mean it, it almost becomes like a yeah. shot at reboots if you do that yeah well yeah right like you can you can parody the way movies are going now where everything's a big franchise and everything's about paying a super fucking an old callback star or a ridiculous amount of money to do like a three second screen time thing <laughs> yep so we've uh, we've lost Justin, uh, and uh, as, as it's only fitting I can that, do that. that John gives him the send off. Of all the souls <laughs> I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, is there anything else we wanted to hit here? Technical difficulties aside, I guess. No, uh, I I think we covered most of the points. You know, we uh, we were a little over an hour, so yeah. I, and I as much as I love this movie, it's not exactly Hamlet. No, that's the thing. Like, there's only so much you could say, and I figured you guys were going to do the plots and stuff. So I was just here for like yep. commentary. Like, oh yeah. So I guess we we can do just a, a big uh, overview real quick of the plot. Um, so the Dermians, you know, they pick up Jason and. Uh, they think that everything was real. They thought it was like historical archives. They have a problem with Saris and uh, they pick him up. He fires on the ship, thinks he saved the day and that it was just a bunch of fans. And then, um, you know, they send him back to Earth. He realizes, oh, this is all real. He gets the rest of the crew. Then they go on a, a series of uh, space adventures. Uh, they have their lowest point where Saris captures the Thermians and, and reveals that they're all just actors phoning it in. Uh, and then they basically have to learn to work together, be a real team. They use the actual fans who know the ins and outs of the ship. And then, you know, the day is saved and uh, on to the next Yeah, I mean, one. I think the, um, and I probably should have mentioned this earlier, just like we should have done the plot thing earlier, but whatever. Um, the thing I found yeah. interesting, and you're right, Josh, you said this a while back, that this movie does have a surprising amount of heart in it, too. Like, I found it interesting that they pretty much established particularly Tim Allen as this like completely vapid actor. Right. And then they get up there and they all think it's a job, you know, cause they just think it's like a, or at least Tim Allen, cause he's so out of it when he first agrees to it, he thinks it's like a fan film or something. And uh, it's when they're confronted with that moment of like, no, this, this Saris guy is real and he wants to like wipe out an entire species of people. Like they're confronted with actual genocide and suddenly you see this moment of like, oh, this is legit. Okay. And it's actually the, 
I actually think that for moments like that, it's actually the the best performance I've ever seen Tim Allen give. I don't really like him that much generally, but uh, you know, Toy Story aside, I guess he doesn't do that much for me in those either. Yeah, no, he, it was he was good. It's great performance. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I think we pretty much hit everything we wanted to. Um, I'm hoping maybe we can, and I haven't actually watched it yet. I'd like to, at some point in the next few weeks, do this with New Mutants for anybody who's into that. Um, I actually have to sit down and watch it, though. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I mean, about that one. <laughs> yep, I'm assuming that'll, there's a lot be of behind-the-scenes crap we can get into on that one. Uh, so. Yeah, that one sounds messy, and the fact that it took like four and a half years between the time it was yeah. actually shot and the last couple of pickup shots were done, like it, it sounds like it'll be at least something. Brent, to talk I was going to ask you, and not that I'm not that I'm encouraging piracy Uh-oh. or anything, but you can't use American Amazon Prime, right? I okay. don't. So, like, know. I I actually bought New Mutants because <laughs> it's really it was really cheap on Black Friday, um, so like. If okay. I could send you my password, you have you know you can use mine if you want and watch it at least. Um, yeah, well we we can talk about it in the chat when we get through because yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try because uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that like everyone's like oh yeah it's on Amazon we can all check this out and I look and it's like behind a paywall and I'm just yeah. like oh god damn it <laughs> like yep okay stupid Canada so yeah foiled hopefully we'll do the um. We'll do one one of these for New Mutants in the next few weeks. Um, and uh, I guess the last thing I can think of to say here would be never give up, never surrender. You got it. Okay, Good enough. Nice, boys. Good enough.